Our scripture reading this morning comes from the seventh chapter of the gospel according to Matthew chapter, excuse me, chapter seven, uh, verses seven through 14. Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there any among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If then you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow, and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Say it's God's good word for us, God's beloved people. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, My Sweet Lord, published in 1970. It is the first mega hit in the kind of post-Beatles era, uh, but by a Beatle. It is clear that George Harrison was like really, like really ready to not be a Beatle anymore. Of all the people who were looking forward to not be a Beatle, George Harrison clearly top of that list because the Beatles break up in 1970, and then immediately in 1970, he has a three-disc album ready to go, full of brand new music, two discs full of new music, and then a whole other disc full of him just like tooling around with his friends, like jam sessions, right? Like he was ready. Uh, I don't have a picture of this one, but I should have pulled it. It's great. The album cover for this album uh, is him, George Harrison, sitting amongst four smashed gnomes, symbolizing the four Beatles. Like this dude, ready to not be a Beatle anymore. And so, um, My Sweet Lord is the single from, uh, the first single from this album. It's a multi-platinum, whatever. Again, it is the first mega hit by a Beatle after they are Beatles. And it comes out of this tour he was on uh, where he was in Copenhagen uh, with these American artists, uh, Delaney and Bonnie, also with Eric Clapton, a whole bunch of other friends. And so they wanted to write a song, and this is the song that comes out of it. And it also typifies like George Harrison's whole idea after the Beatles, where he really wanted to hang out with a whole lot of other artists and be inspired by them. He's really inspired by guys like Bob Dylan, guys like Eric Clapton. So on this song, My Sweet Lord, uh, Eric Clapton plays guitar. Uh, Ringo Starr plays the drums. So I'm not even sure this is a post-Beatles song. Um, Peter Frampton um, is rumored to have done a little bit. And also John Lennon may have also played the guitar. So when Calvin and Jason are up here playing the guitar, Calvin and Jason are wonderful guitarists. But I don't think they would feel too insulted when I say they're just not yet Eric Clapton. Um, so they're trying to keep up with Eric Clapton, uh, George Harrison, Peter Frampton, and John Lennon on guitar. And they honestly do an admirable job. But this is very much George Harrison style. George Harrison also went through a major uh, spiritual awakening um, in the Hare Krishna movement. And so the lyrics of this song come out of that. He has this idea that he wants to write a gospel song 
gospel style song that anyone can sign on to. The way the story goes about the writing of the song is he's backstage um, in Copenhagen uh, with, uh, with Delaney and Bonnie, these two American artists that he's touring with. And he looks at them and goes, how do you write a real gospel song? And out of that, what they taught him in that moment is the beginning, or at least one version of the story of how my sweet Lord came to be. And again, the goal of my sweet Lord is to talk about the universality of love um, and how that can reach to all people regardless of creed. And I think we can all agree that is an admirable goal. But there's also a cloud that hangs over this all-time major hit by an ex-Beatle. George Harrison got sued by a band called the Chiffons, a group called the Chiffons, um, because they put out this song called He's So Fine in 1963. It was also a number one hit, did very well for them. Um, it came out seven years before My Sweet Lord, and George Harrison definitely would have heard He's So Fine. Everyone did. I'm going to give you some homework. For copyright reasons, we, we, we barely get away with what we do play. We can't play it for y'all. Uh, go home and listen. Tell Spotify or your Alexa um, or someone in your family with a Spotify or an Alexa to play you back-to-back, -back, He's So Fine, and My Sweet Lord. I did it um, in the pre-show uh, with the preaching team. We all go, yeah. Okay, so George Harrison had definitely recently listened to He's So Fine when he sat down to write My Sweet Lord, it is eerily similar. And like the things that the backup singers sing is the sounds that the guitars make in My Sweet Lord. And so that puts a cloud over this song that is meant to be about peace, love, and goodness. That George Harrison in not being Totally, let's go with totally aware. Let's, let's be the nicest version of this. Not being totally aware of what was going on in his own mind and soul as he wrote it. Got in the way of this, the message of this song hitting. But also the lyrics, in a way, talk about how there is often something that gets in the way of our ability to connect with God, right? One of the key verses, there are only two. Uh, verse one goes, I really want to see you. I really want to be with you. I really want to see you, my sweet Lord, right? Like this is, but it, excuse me, but it takes so long, oh Lord. I really want to see you. I really want to be with you. I really want to see you, but it takes so long, my Lord. And I'm willing to bet. It certainly connects with my faith experience. I'm willing to bet we've all had those moments. We're praying and praying and praying. Or wishing we could hear from God, wishing we could hear from God, wishing we from hear from God. And for whatever reason, it's just not connecting. We're not hearing God. We're not liking what we're hearing. We think we're hearing nothing. Look, faith does not, I'll be the first one to tell you, faith does not come easy to me. Um, I'm always jealous of Sister Brandy, uh, who sees God in her breakfast cereal. And I mean that in the best way she honestly does. And Brandy's right. Brandy sees God everywhere. I, on the other hand, I do not see God everywhere. Uh, and I, I, you know, if I'm ever envious of another Christian of anything, I'm certainly envious of that. But part of why we really want to see God, we really want to 
be with God. We really want to see God, but it takes so long is because we get in our own way. Yes, faith can be hard, but we also get in our own way because sometimes we don't hear from God because we don't like what we're hearing. And this is the balance that I think is set up in Matthew chapter 7. Because if you just look, we're right here in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, and if you just pull out the, the little bit about knocking and hearing, it all sounds like great news, right? It's just like, you ask for God, and boom, God is there. Like, you uh, knock, the door will be opened. Seek, you shall find, right? Here again, uh, the verses, verses 7 through 12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find knock. And the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks, honestly, just ask how many times a day the child asks for bread, but I'm going to set that aside for a second. If the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will, will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? That sounds like great news. It is good news, actually. This is true. You ask, and God will give. You knock, and the door will be open. God is there. You go to God in prayer. God is there. God is in the room right now, wherever two or more are gathered. There, God is. You kneel down in prayer, sit down in prayer, drive and pray, run and pray, do whatever and pray, and God is sitting right there next to you, listening and speaking into your life. God is pouring goodness and strength and answers into your life all of the time. That is 100% true. Knock, door opens. Seek, you find. All of those things, 100% true. God is pouring goodness and answers and life to you constantly. But in the very next breath, Jesus says something wildly different. If in 7 through 12, it is seeking you shall find, knock and the door shall be open, ask him to be given to you. Verses 13 and 14 paint a different picture of the nature of life in Christ. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Guys, okay, this is, this, is my, this is my Bible. This is what it looks like. Hi, chat. This is my Bible. That's it, right? That's the, all the distance between those two sections. One about God being immediately there. And one about it being really hard to follow after God. They are separated by one verse. They are separated by verse 12 that we'll talk about in a second. And so how is it that the, the asking you shall receive, knocking the door shall be open, but also... The, way is the gate is narrow and the way it is hard, um, and few find it. If God is right there, but few find it, what's going on? Part of it is, we make it hard. We make it hard. The way is not hard because God makes it hard. The way is hard because sometimes we do. We add that little extra that gets in the way of us seeing God's presence. And I think that's part of what's happening in the verse that separates these two sections. It is a version of the love commandment 
that shows up a lot of places. It is 712. In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets is the entire Old Testament. The entire Old Testament can be summed up in that one verse, apparently. It gets summed up a little different other places by Jesus. It gets summed up as, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's the Shema from Deuteronomy. And then, love your neighbor as yourself. That is instructions from Leviticus 19.11. But here summarized as, do unto others as you would have done unto you. It is supposed to be really simple. And yet, we keep not doing it. Right? The prophets are many eloquent speeches that boil down to maybe treat people the way God wants you to. Maybe love God. Nope. Yeah, it didn't. All those stories in the Old Testament about, about things that happened, all the rules laid down in the Old Testament, all of that exists to try and communicate ways in which you can love people and love God. And yet, we keep not doing it. We get in the way sometimes. We get these messages from God. We get this movement of God in our hearts. And then, for whatever reason, we don't follow through. It's like you want to shake the celestial eight ball and get a different answer. God, I really want this thing to happen. God, I really want this thing to happen. God, I really want... <laughs> I'm still searching, my sweet Lord, where are you? It's so hard, I want to see you. I certainly know this version of the story in my own life. When I was a junior in high school, I was 17, we went on a youth retreat to Lakeview. It was just my youth group. It was the fall of my junior year. I was gearing up to like start looking at colleges, and I really thought I knew exactly what I wanted to be in life. I was going to go into politics. I was going to be White House chief of staff, and I was going to be really good at it. I guarantee you, it was going to be great. I was going to be great and really powerful and wear very nice suits and have very important meetings. That was what my life was going to look like. And But... At this youth retreat, it was morning, on Sunday morning, there's like dew in the grass, and we're like kneeling in this dewy grass, doing a wonderful outdoor worship experience. We're spending time in silent prayer, seeking God's purpose for our lives. But that's okay, I knew what my purpose was, but I was being a good child for once. I was participating for once. I was not just sitting there with my eyes closed, counting down the time where they say amen, that I can open my eyes up and stop feeling wildly uncomfortable. I was participating in the spiritual experience. And I was praying, yes, God, I know what you want me to do. Yes, God, we have, we have not talked about this, but I know, I know what I'm doing. And in that moment, God laid on my heart that I was supposed to go into ministry and I was supposed to work with young people. That was what God said to me. I remember it clearly. That's what God said to me in this moment. And I went, not the answer we're here for. I even talked to my youth director about it afterwards. Like, hey, really think God said this thing to me about me going to ministry and specifically working with young people. My youth director, to his credit, looked at me and went, nah, that doesn't look like you. Thanks. In retrospect, thanks a lot. That doesn't look like you. Nah. And so I laughed it off. And I went to college for political science. And a few years later, God finally broke through to me. I'd grown enough spiritually 
that I was ready when God spoke again and said essentially the same thing, I listened. But I went through that phase of, man, I really don't know why God isn't moving in my life. And I really don't know why. Why can't I see God? Because when God spoke to me directly, I didn't listen. That's why. God's right there. God's right there in your life right now saying all kinds of things. That God loves you. That God has a purpose for you regardless of what life stage you are in. There are things that God needs all of us to do for the building of God's kingdom and the transformation of the world. But God is also just a loving presence with God's hand on your back saying that it is okay. We show up to worship and God is there. Whether we decide to open ourselves up to that experience or not, God's in the room right now. What you do with that is up to you, but God is here. When you pray, God is there. When you knock, the door is open. Now, you got to walk through that door, but it's there. When you ask, you will receive. You will receive what God has for you, but you will receive. But sometimes... We get in the way of that. And that is why often the road is hard and the gate narrow and few find it. Not because God is stingy with what God pours out into the world. No, no, no. It's because we want a different answer from the eight ball. Because we want, no, 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 that's not, I, I wasn't asking for that, God. I was asking for this. I wanted to be White House Chief of Staff, God. That's what I asked for. Not to be like a weird punk rock pastor in Palestine, Texas. That is not the thing I asked for. It's not what I was asking for. Smash the eight ball. I actually have a Jesus eight ball in my office. Uh, you can shake it. It's, it's pink. It's about this tall. I inherited it from my uncle. It's beautiful. <laughs> it won't give you the answer either. <laughs> we get in the way. And it's not God who makes that road hard. Because even if God asks us to do something hard, God is there with us along the way, pouring that strength and power and support to get us through whatever it is that God needs us to do. No, it is us. Certainly it is me who makes that road hard and that gate narrow for myself. Because we struggle to let go of control, to hand things over to God. And that's why we look at the sky and go, my sweet Lord, I want to see you. My sweet Lord, I want to be with you. My sweet Lord, I really want to see you. But it takes so long. And God, who's much more patient than I, is going, yep, takes so long for you to listen. It takes so long for you to have the eyes to see. I'm right there. And so for all of us, and certainly this applies to me as much as anybody, if not more so, we need to choose to follow our sweet Lord, who is not far from us, but who is very near, who does not withhold goodness from our lives, but pours it into us. But we need to be willing to follow and not lead. That in every dance, this is why I'm a terrible dancer, there's supposed to be a leader and a follower. Someone needs to start the movement and then you go with it. In this great dance of life, we all want to be the ones yanking God around, and that is inverting the right way of things. May we follow our sweet Lord, knowing that when we ask, we will receive. Knowing when we knock, the door will be open. If we have the courage 
to step through that door that God is calling us to go through and not keep running into a closed door praying it will open. Our sweet Lord is right there next to you, guiding you. May we have the heart open to hear it. Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for your patience with us. We give you thanks for your constant presence with us. We give you thanks that when we ask, we receive. When we knock, the door is open. But God, fill us with the courage and the humility and the wisdom to walk through the door that you are opening, to be willing to follow rather than need to lead, to let it be your will and not our own, that we may live life in abundance with you rather than life eternally searching for a thing that looks like what we wanted in the first place. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for your listening pleasure, I give you uh, My Sweet Lord by George Harrison with a little help from a lot of very famous guitarists. Um, I, a quick editor's note. Um, I do, the normal version of this song does have uh, Hare Krishna lyrics. We did edit those lyrics out uh, for the sake of performance uh, in a Christian church. We get away with a lot in Summer of Rock, and I understand y'all are very patient with us. And so we just echo a lot of hallelujah, which is also in the song uh, to begin with. Um, but I, I am so amazed by what this band is able to do on a week-in, week-out basis. And so now I give you George Harrison's My Sweet Lord. Hallelujah. 
my sweet Lord. Hallelujah. now to grab the hands of people around you, form one united body in Christ, for that indeed is what we are. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. God really is right there, if we will have the eyes to see. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.